Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. My name is Liz, and I will be your host. I'm so excited for this episode today because I've got a really, really cool guest. His name is William Pullen. He is the author and founder of the Dynamic Therapy app. He is also a psychotherapist. He is a runner, like many of us, as well as a wellness consultant for Asics and Adidas. He's a very impressive guy, and I am so excited to have him on the show today, so I really I do hope that you enjoy the episode. So today I've got William on the podcast today. William is an author, TEDx speaker, and the creator of the Dynamic Running Therapy app. He's also a wellness consultant for Adidas and Asics, and he is here to talk about running today, but I mean, amidst a lot of other things, but I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. Did you want to take a chance to introduce yourself and just talk a bit more about yourself? Uh, Sure. Uh, Nice to be here, Liz. Um, uh, What am I? I'm I'm a 53-year-old London-based psychotherapist, author, runner, speaker, wellness consultant, all the things you said, been a therapist for about 13 years. And I'm all about sort of blending uh, movement and psychotherapy. I guess that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about how you managed to combine psychotherapy with running and what that looks like in your dynamic running therapy app. Well, so I, I had about 14 years ago or something, I had a sort of meltdown after a relationship went south and, um, and I went into, got very depressed and tried to get out of it. And I took up therapy antidepressants and running. And I was not a runner, but then I started fusing the psychotherapy with the running with my friend who I was learning to run with. And he had his problems. I had my problems. I worked out how easy it was to talk to him while running. You know, it really did seem to make the conversation flow. It seemed like we got deeper into it. And it seemed like I was accomplishing something, empowering myself. And when you're depressed, as you as you may or may not know, um, you know, disempowerment is a major theme of that. So it seemed to tick so many boxes. So the, the, the origin story is out of my personal drama. I then trained to become a therapist. I cherry picked what I thought was the best of psychotherapy and formed what I call dynamic running therapy, wrote That's a amazing. book about it, and then built the app. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I know that my podcast kind of almost blends the two that you're kind of talking about running with the mental health piece. And I think um, I was really excited to have you on the podcast because it really seems like a lot of what you teach and what you talk about in your book, as well as your app really correlates with a lot of the themes that I kind of try and push more for, you know, creating more awareness around and just building more conversation around because I think a lot of these topics around, you know, having depression, having anxiety are things that people get quite timid talking about. And I think it's more important to kind of push to have these conversations. And I think, um, as you've explained, a lot of what your app does is kind of talk you through different exercises and just different, you know, things that you can listen to while you're running, then different things that kind of just stimulate your brain. Am I right? Yeah, no, absolutely. There are questions uh, that ask you, there are, there are two things on there. There's a program for anxiety and one for depression. Then there's all sorts of meditation and mindful walking. But those are the two therapeutic pieces. And uh, and there are 20 sessions to each. Each one has about another six questions in it. And you record your answers as you run and, and, um, and then journal about it. And it takes you on a journey of discovery and understanding yourself. But you do this while running or walking. And it gives you, I believe, running a movement 
movement gives you a sense of momentum and progress where other people, where at other times you may not be feeling it. So it's it's all important. I mean, if you listen to read the work of Rollo May and, and and people like that, they'll they'll try to tell you that, which I think is fair for the majority of the time, that anxiety, you know, is telling you something. Even depression is telling you something. Not always. Some people have a very chemical-based, brain chemistry-based uh, depression. But often it's because you are stuck somewhere and you may not even know how stuck you are. Stuck may be the new normal. Do you know what I mean? You may be 10 years in, in the same flat, and you don't realize how demoralizing it is because you've you've dumbed yourself down to this level now and you're not inspired by life and you just imagine everybody else is equally uninspired by life apart from a couple of, you know, rappers that you see online or something in their private jet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're just really speaking to probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast. And I feel like, especially in the past year of being in lockdown, I feel like a lot of people have really struggled. And I know that what a lot of what you post on your Instagram, especially you've got quite a following and a lot of people, um, I think you started a movement around was it, is it called walk to walk, um, to, talk. Yeah. walk to talk? Yeah. Yeah. And so is that just, was that something inspired from lockdown specifically? Uh, well, it's sort of based off something that I do call empathy runs, empathy walks, which is an exercise just where two people go for a walk. One person talks for 10 minutes, one, one person listens, and then you swap roles, but you don't interrupt uh, other than, you know, to go, mm. you certainly don't supply solutions to the other thing. It's about witnessing it's about community it's about easygoing it's the same thing like the therapy it's just letting stuff flow with very little agenda uh, so that's where that came out of and i started that a, a, a couple of months ago it's got a little bit of traction now uh, and basically what i'm doing is encouraging anybody who's a walker or runner to volunteer with a post on their instagram account to walk or run most likely remotely via WhatsApp or whatever with somebody in their network. Could be somebody they don't know, could be somebody in Alaska or Africa. And to be safe about it and and and, and sensible about it, of course. Yeah, no, that's great though. And I think a lot of what has really helped me as well in lockdown is just being able to connect with people virtually. And I think that's been such a plus of the podcast is being able to connect with people like you mm. and kind of learn and meet new people. But I think a lot of what, what you have kind of created and built, I think really can be be something that really helps a lot of people. And so is that, have you seen a lot of really big and great success with some of your clients? What, doing dynamic running therapy? Yes, yeah. yes, most definitely. You know, I am, um, I don't, it, it gets really complex to try to explain the difference between the office-based psychotherapy that I do and the dynamic running therapy. Obviously one involves running uh, and is, is outside, but when you get into the minutiae of it, you you start to understand it's a self-selecting group of, of people People that already run of course a lot of people run running is my therapy as they say so these are people for whom running no longer works as therapy or they've recognized that they would be better off not trying to run their way through this particular issue mm. uh, that is to say they should take up if they want to run through it they should run through it with a therapist and not just try to sort of make it go away by getting personal best every monday night you know yeah i think i think something that we um i feel like i can really connect with with you is just kind of the basis of how you started everything and how it all kind of started from a failed relationship and just starting from heartbreak and i think when i really started getting into distance running is when I felt super heartbroken and I felt like I really just wanted to put all of the anger and all of the frustration into running. And I just started running incredibly long distances without any proper training, any therapist or anything. And so I 
I think what's really unique about your program and everything that you've kind of built and created is that it seems like you want to make something that's, you know, you want to help people create kind of intentional walking and intentional that's running it. habits and just that's being able to connect better with yourself and kind of yeah, um, not yeah. self-medicating. It's not self-medicating. And in fact, for those people who are, you know, very sort of outcome directed, they're strivers of which many cities are full of. And I have that part in me too. And you're, it sounds like you're saying you have the same in you. Um, they're the very people that I want to get to come and do the therapy with me, but realize that we're not there to get fit. There's no personal best. It's completely directed the entire 50 minutes. The movement aspect of it is completely directed by the client. So if you want to walk, run or sit, whatever you want to do in those 50 minutes, but I'm definitely not there to be a personal trainer and you're definitely <laughs> not racing me. I'm following you. You know, uh, If you want to exhaust me, if that's part of your uh, uh, psychology, then I'll, uh, you know, I might challenge her. And I might say, oh, look, I noticed that every time we show up here, we, we, we race for 50 minutes. I can't keep up. You seem to be quite pleased that I'm struggling. Um, and I wonder what that says about you. I wonder what that says about your relationship with me and with others and your, with yourself. Yeah. What... Yeah. I was going to say with your program, have you ever stumbled ac across people who kind of hesitate? with therapy because I know that some for some people there's kind of that stigma of you know I don't want to pursue therapy because if I pursue therapy then I must have an issue or I must be mentally ill when for me I personally think that everyone could benefit from therapy and in some way shape or form having a professional be able to analyze your life and your lifestyle and be able to connect it with you know maybe something from your childhood that you've just never unveiled or you've never really you know delved into. I think for some people, it's kind of interesting to hear that there's that stigma of being hesitant to therapy. Definitely in this country, there's plenty of that, Lizzie, as, as I'm sure you know. Um, there's still a kind of stiff upper lip in the UK, uh, but it's changing rapidly. And most people will be familiar with the royal families sort of break the stigma initiative, which has been fantastic, although I'm always critical of it because it doesn't include changing of behaviors, really. I mean, starting to talk about it is a great start, but it's not really going to change that much about your depression it will it may open doors to other things but you should be pushing the idea that people need to start taking responsibility to make some changes it could you don't have to leave your wife you don't have to leave your job it can be something much stranger you could take up you know who knows what but just some change needs to take place you need to get in the driving seat and make your life interesting fun motivated something something about it needs needs to be lit up a little bit and you need to get out of that rut unless of course you've got chemical based brain chemistry based depression in, in in which case which you know nobody understands the difference between the two but if you do them then then you may well need uh, other kinds of interventions but yeah no people are people are hesitant for sure you know the thing about therapy it's it's wonderful the way you describe it why not take a look under the hood why not tweak the system tweak tweak who you are illuminate what's moving you and, and what's possible in the future for you loosen things up get in the driving seat all this stuff sounds good but for some people well for a start therapy takes a long time Right? Typically, less less than six months is, is is not realistic. So that's a lot of time. It's and it's also a lot of money. So then you have to ask yourself, well, what am I really going to get out of this? And I would say, you know, not all therapy is successful. You need the most important thing is to have the right relationship with your therapist. That's actually more important than whichever therapeutic approach you take. And too many people, I think, walk into the therapy room and and just hand over the keys to the locker to their to their soul to their past to their future to somebody they're not even really particularly like. 
they don't particularly like, but they just assume because the person's wearing a black suit and wear, and sitting on a leather sofa um, that, you know, they must know what they're doing. Well, even if they do, it's more important that you like them, that you trust them, that they inspire you, that they hear you, you feel heard and so forth. So for that reason, it's not always right. Now, this is why I want to say to your listeners, if you do go into therapy, make sure you like your therapist. Keep on go, keep on trying people out until you find somebody you like. And yeah, when I said like, you know, these other pieces are really important. It's about, it's about, um, it's about having faith and trust and feeling heard. It's, it's not just about liking them because they're funny or kind. And uh, and then the second piece I would say is watch out. You know, it could cost you, it could take a lot longer than you think. The therapist may dig deeper than you think he's going to do or she's going to, uh, and may come up with some stuff you weren't expecting coming out of left field. You know, it may be quite energy and uh, and time consuming. And, um, you know, just, just be ready for all of that. It may not go quite as smoothly. But, you know, if you're an articulate person, then you go into the therapist and you say, look, I, I just want, I just want a, a, a checkup like on a car. You know, let's 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 fiddle around the files, see uh, see what comes up. I don't need to go deep, just so you know. I don't need to go into my childhood stuff. Or yes, my parents got divorced. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing divorce. I'm not doing loss. I'm not doing that. That this. Uh, I'm interested by my struggles to motivate myself or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what's great about therapy, though. And I've had a couple of therapists in the past where you kind of get to, while they do kind of pick around, I think you still get to kind of have, you know, I really want to focus on this area. And I think that that's what's really great about therapy is that you get to kind of have that conversation and kind of ask, you know, this is the area of my life where I'm currently struggling. And I think being able to voice that also to someone and especially to a professional is just, I think it, it can be hard for a lot of people. But I think in the end, it's, it's like you said, you know, taking that first step and getting in the driver's seat and being able to take control of your life. Because I think a lot of people actually just kind of live in this never ending cycle of just waking yeah. up, going to work, going on a run, going to bed, and then they do it all again the next day. And you know, what's, what's the What's the purpose in that if you're not, if you don't find the excitement and you're, you're not waking up excited for, you know, life or like a new thirst for life. And, and then they go into therapy, you know, having not really had enough direction in their own lives. And they go into therapy and hand over the keys to the kingdom to a therapist and say, well, where do you think we should look? Where, you know, instead of directing the therapist, instead of taking this opportunity to get in the driver's seat, say, look, this is what I want. This is who I am. These are the pieces of me that I don't like. Taking those risks, putting it all out on the table because after all it's your money it's your time there's no point in holding secrets back from your therapist your therapist doesn't care you think he <laughs> or she hasn't heard something about 12 times worse than anything you think is so shameful you can't bring it up i mean really you know it, the work doesn't really begin some people say until two things happen until the client really starts handing over the the, the you know opening up the, the cupboards and bringing out the stuff that's harder which which is the moment that they hand over trust to the therapist and likewise there's another saying I'm not saying this is everything, but also that until you are able to take your therapist off a pedestal and imagine that they can direct you and know everything and have the solutions until you until you understand that all they're doing is helping you help yourself really you're both in there just treading water some people yeah. and so kind of moving to your book and kind of how that ties in does that kind of connect or relate at all to your dynamic running therapy app in a way yeah i mean the book the book includes it's it's much like the app 
it includes uh, depression and anxiety, but it also has things for anger and relationships, different programs, more programs. Um, and you write in the book instead of on, on, the, on your mobile phone on the app. Uh, so I guess that's that's the major difference. Yeah, and you've had that out for quite a while now, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the UK, it's called Run For Your Life. In America, it's called Running With Mindfulness. There's a big mindfulness piece in there, meditative. A lot of it's about how you relate to the self, how gentle and kind you are, how compassionate you are, how patient you are, etc. I mean, most of us are so G'd up now, we're so overstimulated by one thing or another that we've started to overstimulate ourselves. First, we, you know, just because we don't want to get, we're, we're like, you know, mad rats in a lab. And so it's easier to just keep on being stimulated and, stimu- and, and stimulating the self rather than dare to stop the whole show and have a look and, and realize, damn, it's been, you know, four years since I stopped looking at Instagram. I've spent four years looking at Instagram. I really am out of control. I've really done nothing with my life or, or not enough, or I've become superficial. I've just, people don't want to look at that. So they're just like, no, keep it going. You know, keep the dream going, keep the fantasy going. As a as a TEDx speaker as well, what, what would you say is like the best piece of advice or the best line you think you've ever given? Um, in terms of just, you know, your beliefs and what you kind of teach? Well, that's an easy one for me, because it, it, again, it's, all, it's sourced out of my own out, out of my own drama. I would say that I'm somebody who's lo- wasted a lot of their life, a lot. I've done all sorts of things, but I fiddle around with them. I've struggled with them. I've quit a lot of things. It took me a long time to settle down to this career or to, to become the person that wanted to do this career and had the courage to begin this career. And I'm amazed that I've got as far as I have and I've only got as far as I have because I failed as much as I did before and until finally I worked something out around 40 and all those years before were really a waste if I knew what I'm about to share with you now which is no great uh, illumination I think to most people but to me it's all important for anybody uh, anybody who's got a dream anybody who's stuck in a place it's it's the theory on incremental change just make small changes one day at a time one meter at a time 10 meters at a time if it's a running thing you want to change if it's cigarettes cut down from 10 cigarettes to nine cigarettes don't do that every day otherwise by the end of the <laughs> in 10 days you're going to be giving up that's probably too much find out what works for you forgive yourself when it doesn't work find work with your system but make it incremental and that definitely goes for people who are depressed who are finding it hard to get out of bed finding it hard to get on top of things find out what you can do don't concentrate on what you can't do find out what you can do can you move that book can you can you dust that table if that's all you're going to do today, just do something. Become the person that did something, and that will build. That's my that's my takeaway. I love that. I love that. There's definitely been a massive push in lockdown to kind of be more forgiving towards yourself. And I think I was always someone at least like a year ago, really early on in lockdown, who kind of looked at people a lot more than I used to because I was comparing how productive I was. And it was almost like, you know, why am I comparing myself in terms of like levels of productivity when we're in a global pandemic and like a national lockdown? And I think I started to I noticed on social media, there was just this 
bigger push to post more and share more around this idea of, you know, if you, if, if you could only do the bare minimum today, then that's okay. And you have to tell yourself that that's okay for today and you can try again tomorrow. And I think even for me personally, that took a really long time to kind of wrap my head around and really accept. And I yeah. think that a lot of people probably really struggle with that too. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a real sort of, it needs to be, it only really works when it's, when it's done genuinely and it's genuine acceptance when it's really compassionate and just saying to yourself, yeah, this is enough. It's like um, Winnicott's good enough mother. You need to be, you need to believe that you're good enough, even when you're not, that you're not great and that good enough is good enough and that you have good days and bad days and it's okay to have a bad day. A lot of people feel like a failure having a bad day. And then that makes every other day really bad because the bar is so high. Right? It's just like, it's like, and then what are you trying, where are you trying to get to anyway? Right. And who are you going to be when you get there? And you think that's going to be enough anyway? I mean, none of it matters, right? Almost none of it matters, except just being, you know, reasonably comfortable, having some fun in life, pushing yourself with some challenges, whether it's learning Spanish or climbing a mountain or, or, or being a good father or whatever it may be. But we really don't need to be the best we can be. I heard somebody say the other day that if you're getting 60% out of a relationship, that you should consider yourself doing okay. I mean, who of us believes that anymore? Most of us are like, <laughs> you better give me 100%. I need you to be 100% the person I need you to be. And not just some of the time, 100% of the time, 100 times 100. And it's just like, my God, well, you know, who can live up to that? Yeah. Being with somebody like that and the stress, the anxiety that drips off you when you need that. And I think we're all G'd up like that now. I really do. I mean, I know that I speak from London as a therapist, but I, who, who, who does have some social media profile and, and spends time on social media. But I, I do feel like it's a common currency of the West now is this G'd up state. And, you know, we all know that the, the, the social media companies are using algorithms to tweak everything that they do you know it's all a a positive food feedback loop and and we're the mad rats at the end of it yeah no i totally agree i but yeah i i definitely want to check out your um app as well as your book and if there's any other way that listeners can get in touch with you please do let me know and i will definitely be able to um include that in the show notes okay i will let you know all right all right well thank you again so much for being on the podcast i really do appreciate it and i know that listeners will probably take a lot from this podcast um so yeah like i said i'll have all of william's info in the show notes of this episode but thanks again fantastic my pleasure liz all right everyone that's going to wrap up another episode of the resiliency and running podcast i really do hope that you enjoyed it if you did please leave a rating and review on apple podcasts it really does help support the podcast i would also love if you would check out my link in the show notes regarding my fundraising efforts for boston children's hospital for my place in the london marathon any donations would be greatly appreciated but until then i will see you in the next episode bye